Hello, everybody. I'm so glad you guys are here. I have with me Angie and Ian. We don't have Andre tonight because he's rehearsing his musical this week, Dorian. Yay! Yay. Good luck. So we're cheering him on. He did send us his notes, so we're going to cover his notes for sure. We're going to make sure that we got from him what his thoughts, his 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 hot takes are. Uh, but let's get right into it. So, is Terrell dead or not? What you think? What's your mm. theory? I did not think he was that whole. Well, I we have this whole podcast to discuss it, but just kind of the moments leading up to it was very questionable to me. Yeah. And then um, I read some things online, and sorry, but he is—he is dead. Everyone. See, here's the thing, and I and I know that everybody wanted that to be true, and I was like, "That's cool." And the blue screen at the end, I was like, you know, everybody knows that's the blue screen of death on a PC, and you know, they 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 lingered in the beginning with the dark army guy, the operative played by Cairo Waveborn. Good name, bro whose product placement for Pringles was right on the mark. We also know that Pringles has made an appearance <laughs> in the series before when um, Elliot dumped all the tater chips out and made a, um, he grabbed the signal using that when uh, Mr. X was in his apartment. Anyway, so we, we, we pan over the blue monitoring device, right? Which was probably, I'm, I don't do the hacker part of the show, but I'm a, I'm a feeling like that blue radiating machine was the um what do you want to call it the box the the modem super modem mm. right so i feel like who knows maybe in the car accident it got flung afar but probably not i kind of interpreted this as the blue door of heaven like it's his death screen he's a hacker that's the way he would go out and that what he was maybe seeing in there was maybe his joanna i don't know but then I'm like, okay, I know what I felt about it. It felt very final. And then I went and read an article. Well, first of all, backing all the way up, Martin Wallstrom was all over the place yesterday going, hey, guys, what's up? I'm like, you're tweeting a lot, bitch. <laughs> very present today, Martin. <laughs> and just the way he was, like he was, you could tell he's like that person who's through a goodbye party for themselves. <laughs> so I felt a little bit like that. I was like, oh. oh, he did. I didn't feel like, and then I read the article and he was like, this was his last thing to do in life. Like he, he's saving Elliot. He's buying him some time. He's saving his son. So the dark army can't hold him over his son and vice versa. He said, I feel like, you know, I did this one last thing. So I don't, th what else could Tyrell do? What was the article that you read? Uh, I think it was in, oh, where do I have it? I'll send you the link. It was Hollywood Reporter or one or Deadspin, Deadline. I, I read the one on, on the Hollywood Reporter. It always comes into my inbox yeah. at the right time. So it's like that one's the always right there because Sam usually gives a quote or two or has they have a piece ready to go as soon as the episode comes off the line. But I think this was also a, an article in Deadline. And then he was on the Mr. Rewatch podcast, which I didn't listen to, but there was a summary somewhere. So the way Martin is addressing this, this episode is he's dead. So mm -hmm. y'all can wishful think. I know people thinking uh, Angela going to pop back up, but I feel like, I feel like Sam's saying goodbye to people, you know, 
I think while it was it was sad, I wasn't um on the huge train of the Tyrellian, like there are so many out there and huge respect for, for everyone out there. But um, I didn't really follow that, that arc as much no. throughout the series, no. but I did feel that um, while it was sad because we never want to see our beloved ones go like I was, I was huge for Angela and it devastated me. Um, but I think that they did, um, I think they did it justice in this episode and just really showcasing that relationship between Elliot and Tyrell. And I think that's what we all visually wanted to see. And I think they did good. I think they did too. I love that we see, and I see Elliot acting differently around Tyrell. He, Mr. Robot talks differently. He talks differently. I feel like he is with someone he can be his most truest self with besides a sister. And even there, I think he hides because he tells Terrell, he says, I think you're the only person on earth who actually likes me. So I feel like the way he's, he's switching and the way he's talking to him is despite himself, he's grown attached to this guy. And I think the hint of what their, the true nature of their relationship is is in the naming of the stop and shop. It's Salomano's. This mm. jumped right out at me because I just not too long ago reread The Stranger by Camus. And this guy's, the main character's uh, neighbor is named Salomano. And he has this dog and he curses the dog and he kicks the dog. He's very cruel to this dog. And then the dog goes missing. And he loses his mind. And he's bereft with grief when he can't find his dog. And I think uh, Salomano in this case is Elliot. And as much as he curses Terrell and mistreats him. And in this scene, he's like, don't go. Fuck off. Stay. Hey, don't, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. I hope you die. <laughs> you know, that's his relationship with his his Salamano's dog. I mean it's right there on the screen for me to see. That's what That's I saw. Interesting. So um Sam put this big glowing red sign there and I'm like, okay. Okay. Uh yeah, and I loved the way they sent off Terrell. As weird as he landed, he's been described as a vampire by uh Sam early on kind of bloodless and cold and psychotic and um and he kind of creeps off into the night like an other world creature it's so befitting and the fact that he's going to slowly be bleed out it's the same uh wound that elliot had only no dark army surgeons are waiting for him in the woods but the but the whole thing felt to a lot of us Soprano fans like Pine Barrens. I don't know if you ever watched mm -hmm. Sopranos. Did you watch this episode, Pine Barrens? No, I did not, but I'm familiar you, with everybody's familiar with this. So yes. Charlie Walnuts and Christopher uh go in they have a hit. They have to go upstate somewhere. It's a botched hit. Now they're going through the snowy woods looking for this guy. They get lost in the woods. And the next thing you know, these two made men who are not nature guys are like fighting the elements. And they're hearing wolves and creepy shit. And they're like, they got to find this guy and finish the job. And it very much tracks with that. There's some Mulholland Drive in there. There's, there's homages all through this to, you know, Robert Frost, you know, walking the snowy woods. That's all there. 
Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved how beautiful it was. And then, and then we get into the stuff with Dolly, and, which is Lolita, and how he's coming back to a lot of the things he's been laying out for us. So I, I loved it. I loved that it was, he's not trying to leave anything ambu- ambiguous, I don't think, you know? The white van, what is the dark army? This is Wang Shu's detail. This is not, we are going, oh, it's the FBI. And in the very conversation that Darlene has with Tobias, Sam is going, look, your perception is not reality. Do you know what I mean? So that and He's l- been saying that from the very beginning. Yes. And he also has said t- over and over again, guys, fuck plot. So <laughs> Exactly. So let's go back to this. It felt a little Twin Peaks to me. We were saying this last night, the oh. way Mac worked the score and the moonlight. Loving the music. I was looking up all the music cues today. I was like, this episode alone was just testament to how good Matt Quayle is. Can I ask you, who do you think took the van away? Well, I definitely think that... Now, is the, does the van end up just disappearing? No, doesn't it? It's, it goes, the the it Dark Army drive, guy drives it away. He drives it as yeah. far as he can until he hits a deer and crashes off the road. And now he's, you know, because dumbass Tyrell, he's only murdered one other person before this directly. I mean, yeah, he killed 3,000 people for all of you people who are cuddling up to Tyrell today. He killed 3,000 people, yo. <laughs> um, he's, not, he's not good. At, he's, he choked the first girl for no reason. And then he hits this fool on the head with a hammer. I guess you've been watching too many movies, dude. But like you, a couple of two or three strokes would have probably been necessary. So this guy wakes up with a severe head injury, enough to like bleed all over the place, but he's still alive. And he's driving away, you know, with somebody with a severe head injury and ends up crashing. And I think I thought for the longest time the thing that we're hearing scream on the road was the deer because that's what the deer sound like when they're dying. Deer had this high-pitched scream. This is why I hate deer hunting. I've heard it one too many times in my young days. So I was like, okay, a deer is screaming, and it just sounds otherworldly. I don't know if it's the same deer he hit, but it it stands to reason that that deer interceded for, uh, for Elliot and made the dude crash. So that was what I thought. But the, the van doesn't disappear in the end. It's always there. It's just it made itself down the road. Yeah, but we think that it's, the, it's that dark army guy. He was not dead. He got up. Yes. And t- yeah. or there was not someone lingering very close behind no. them that saw the opportunity. Yeah, a lot of people were, were going, okay, we think the cashier is dark army. And... And I, you know, Ian and I had this conversation at the sink. What did we say, Ian? Like, how did we come well, no, to this conclusion? We, uh, it's like we started the conversation and we were like, yeah, we think it is. And then we just sort of walked through it and like, no, it couldn't be. Because wouldn't she have alerted to the Dark Army to their, their presence, right? Yes. You know, so it was, she wasn't in cahoots with the driver. driver also, just, the driver didn't like make his way to her knowing she's an operative and they could yeah. gang up and call it in. Do you know what I mean? I think, what did you end up saying, Ian, that I, I love? Oh, uh, it was, what is, was it another one of Sam's <laughs> uh, what, crazy collection of characters or yeah, something like that? Yeah, it was like, this is one of Sam's weirdos. That's this is what just it one is. of his weird characters that we've seen on screen. <laughs> because she's seen, he's, he's also really good at the MacGuffin, like you chase the MacGuffin over yeah. here. I just don't think she's Dark Army. 
I don't think so either. And let's talk about Elliot being really sassy with with the cashier. It was like, okay, Elliot's getting a little confident, too confident, too quick, <laughs> and was really sassy with the cashier. And I was like, okay. She's well, I aren't you friggin' rude? <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives her the side eye. I was like, all right. Yeah. And all of the little jokes are embedded in here. Are you an actor? Are you on that show? And I can't help but like having Sam just like addressing some, the heavy paparazzi present around Rami's newfound fame of like, yeah, it's a pen in the ass, isn't it, Rom Rom? (laughs) And he's just like, these are the faces I'm making internally when all this shit's going on. A lot of inside jokes this uh, uh, time. Also, I couldn't help but notice a bunch of us were discussing in our little tiny uh, Reddit group that the way Rami, sorry, Elliot buries his finger into Tyrell's forehead and says, I don't give a fuck about you. If you'll go back to season three in the scene with, um, I'm going to use their actor names because I think this is an actor thing. Martin and Christian are doing the scene in the basement plotting the building's collapse with Angela and in the outtakes, you see Martin ram his finger in the back of Christian's head. And Christian looks up at the camera like, dude. <laughs> and then you hear Martin apologize, like, sorry. And I don't wonder if Rami, if this isn't a callback for Rami to go, yeah, that's how that feels, bro. I actually thought the same exact thing. And I was did you? up when he, when he did that. I'm like, oh, this is an inside joke amongst actors. This is so good. It has to be. So is it yeah. my perception and we'll never know the truth. Does Robbie like Martin? I don't see why not. I mean, here's the thing. I know Andre's got it in his notes. I'll go down to his notes. What does he say? Um, I love this. I like the way he wrote it. <laughs> he sent it to us in the thread. And he's like, the scene with Tyrell and Elliot yelling at each other and then quietly whispering to each other had some sexual tension that was thicker than happy hard, uh, hard on Henry's dick. <laughs> like Tyrell was ready to give up because he realized Elliot didn't care about him. And then Elliot confesses that Tyrell is the only person that likes him. Nut up and give us a Tyrellian kiss, Sam. And I think everybody thought that was going to be the moment where he's taking the rock out of the shoe and... Mr. Robot sidles next up next to him, and you know you think, oh, here's gonna here's gonna be your kiss. A couple of times later, I thought when Rami is getting close to Martin, this is gonna be your kiss. But I really never expected that kiss to happen. I just don't... I was hoping at least for a hug. Yeah, that would have been a lot. That would have been a, a whole lot for Elliot so Alderson. Thinking... But Sam talks yeah. about Tyrellian all the time. You know, he wrote it in there, <laughs> and I think Oscar winner went, "I'm not doing that." not because he's homophobic obviously he's not anything like that i just maybe i'm high but i feel like rami doesn't really like martin all that much well was it isn't that supposed to be the scuttlebutt right it has been the scuttlebutt before it's come up consistently and normally that stuff i don't give a shit about like do your thing do your not think a lot of actors hate each other and work together but i just get a distinct feeling he seems to get a little stiff uh, around Martin, and I feel like there's, there's like the the opposite of chemistry that also works for them because they have this Salomano and his dog relationship. But was anybody kind of like, what? 
when the the big reveal about the envy or, or the reason that Tyrell loves him so much is that Elliot has this freedom because he doesn't give a shit because the black hoodie and the whole outfit, he's like, I wear a tie and $6,000 suits and I really care and you don't give a fuck and that's why I love you. And I'm like, how simple and how odd. Was anybody like, is that Rosebud? That was his Rosebud? Really? Well, I mean... Uh, it's sort of it's sort of lays in character though of of the whole story because not everything has got to be spectacular, right? I mean, Tyrell is walking off into the mist to die. Yeah. So I mean, that's how you treat this guy, and then Joanna just gets popped in the head because of a jealous lover. I mean, it's just sort of like everyday shit. It's funny. Sam does not send his people off with like these big kind it's of Game of Thrones. It's not Game of Thrones. It's like lawn, two pops, you know, yeah. Joanna, bullet in the head. Or or what or Romero, uh mistaken bullet. He dies off screen and he's been <laughs> rotten. It's like the I think the most dramatic death on the show so far has been uh, the two deaths have been or three. Mobley and Trenton. Yep. And Cisco. Yeah. And Lupe's um, Grant killing himself is pretty dramatic. So there's a little bit of a column A, column B, but it's almost like I've spent all this four seasons with this people. Bang. <laughs> well, do you know who who got a good one was um the uh, the ASAC. Oh, Santiago. Santiago got a that good That was quite oh, the, yeah. the going out. Good old Irving just shocking. What were we doing here? <laughs> wow, you're right. Yeah. So, but I, but you know the thing is, is I don't think anyone really despises any other character like they despised Santiago. He was like universally unliked. Yeah, I feel. Yeah. So he was a he. Yeah, I think uh, Omar did a really good job of playing him kind of skeezy. Now here's what Andre thinks. He says no on-screen death means Tyrell isn't dead for me. Um, I think there's a time jump in the next episode, blah, blah, blah. So we'll get to that. But um, so he doesn't believe that Tyrell is dead. Um, I can see where he's coming from. I would definitely. I mean, there's, know, I was, there's, yeah. Yeah. I can see where he's coming from. I, I, I will be honest. The first time I watched it, because we've already watched it five times by now, because right? that's how we roll. Um, the first time I watched it, I'm like, no, there's no way. He's so, Something's going on. There, there's that time machine. Like that's that's He's walking into the time machine. They've, they've uncovered it on the way to wherever they're going. <laughs> yeah. And um, I just didn't believe it. But then after, I think the second... The, Going into the, my third watch, I'm like, oh yeah, he's he's even I, even though I'd read the article saying directly from Sam that that was it, um, I still didn't believe it, but I do now. Yeah, so. I do believe, and it, but I love the fact that that he lets people interpret his, his art however they want to. You know, mm-hmm. Sam is whole, uh, totally of the mind of like, it is however you want to see it. You know, kind of like these characters. And going back to that, you know, this is what. Um, Andre says about that kind of thing. He said, so this whole arc with Darlene and, and Santa is like a weird meta comment from Sam saying, even though you guys see things that may appear to be significant, sometimes it's not as significant as you think. Um, and he's still pondering, Andre is, I'm still trying to figure out the function of these exchanges with Darlene and the stranger. And I think he just said it. That Sam is always talking to us, whether it's Mr. Robot, whether it's Elliot, whomever. He's always, 
if you go back to the speeches and the dream sequences, it's all there, you know. And then he does he does believe in signs and wonders. He is calling this stop and shop this thing for a reason. Um, can we? Do we want to keep talking about this scene in the woods? I know it was significant. Just their conversation um, when they go off into the woods. <laughs> they sound like, like an old married couple. They They're literally do. my yeah. husband and I arguing about where's the right place, when's the next turn. It was pretty, pretty uh, entertaining to see that between them. Well, when you know he, what it was? after he's stomping off and the, the, the lady says, wouldn't hurt you to learn some manners on the walk. So anyway. it was it was kind of interesting because like for me up to this point of like we've only had, you know, small little glimpses of Mr. Uh, Robot and Tyrell. And then, you know, it's just, you know, uh, and Elliot's not there. Right. Like when we're in the basement, Elliot yeah. comes and, you know, that's the he's the problem. But now. It's interesting to see the other how Mr. Robot relates with Tyrell. That whole time, they were working together, and Mr. And, and Elliot didn't know. I mean, this is the kind of conversations they probably had. And I think you know, this I think also type of you thing. know there's something because you know this character of Tyrell is so unusual. I think he's drawn to this contradict this walking contradiction that says, "I love you, go away." fuck off. I'm worried about you. I can't let you die. Let's take you to a hospital. I'm leaving. You know, I think there's something enigmatic about this person to him. And again, because I think that he doesn't, Terrell is so haunted by having nothing and coming from nothing and the red wheelbarrow thing that, that, you know, it's, it becomes an homage to Terrell when he names the red wheelbarrow fronts after him. He calls that operation red wheelbarrow. There's all this stuff that I think they both make each other feel seen. So it was very touching to see the switch off and to watch Rami and Christian negotiate this scene. The scenes with Martin were I thought all three of them were magnificent. Yeah. Because Martin's having to play off of two to three different energies because I think the other one was slipping in there. You know, I think the other one piggybacked off of Mr. Robot until they're like, Jesus Christ, lady, will you just... I don't feel like I said the other one just... You're not always looking at Rami Malek when you're seeing the other one. So I feel like that guy was hopping between the two of them a couple of times. And then baseline Elliot, I think brought them all into line and was like th he took over like like that baseline personality that is him took over uh, with Olivia when Mr. Robot swings in to go hey I didn't think you'd get that far and he runs out into the street and kisses her I think there's some evolution inside Elliot that's been going on that was adult Elliot just regular adult Elliot I think so I felt like it was huh. I don't know if I'm just reading that into the performance, but as I watched it for the third time today <laughs> and stopping scene by scene and watching the body language and it's dork. It's a very dark episode. I love it. But when you're trying to like review it, you're like squinting yes. going, what did Terrell get shot in the same places? Elliot, I can't tell. It's so fucking dark. Um, 
I was just trying to watch Rami's performance and then Christian's performance to see are they reflecting what, you know, who's doing what here, who's handing off what, and then watching Martin just not miss a beat and just deal with them both almost as they, because he's talking to one person. Yeah. Very strange. I don't know. I have to say, though, I mean, like, like I've told you, and I've said on the podcast a lot of times, like, I, I am in the weeds. I can't go down any rabbit holes. I just have to enjoy the show as it is unfolding. Um, the performances this season are spectacular. Oh, man, like they are. You know, that, it was mm-hmm. just that, that phone call with Darlene. Yes. In front of the, uh, the, the um, was it real, uh, virtual realty? Yes. Or something like that? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That was just awesome. I she thought. was great. Carly's yeah, I thought killing it. Was it was fucking awesome. She is killing it this season. She's really, because she's playing, she's lost. Yeah. She's terrified, but she's also just furious and hurting and having to do her job and then searching for her brother in the way. I mean, an actor, that could get away with an actor and they could just chew up the scenery and Sam wouldn't have anything left to work with. And what I love about Carly is she's just. She's just gone inward for this. Yeah. And it's just beautiful how she does it. She plays it all. And that beautiful monologue of that first really dark, angry, but honest and raw voicemail to him. I was like, shit. It's just like it sort of builds up. It crescendos into that, you know, the car coming by. And then it cuts. And she's just sort of standing there. And then it's like, if you'd like to redo your message or whatever it is. And then she's her shoulders are slung over, and I'm like, holy shit. You could just see this sort of just wreck. Like, ugh, I have nothing. I am emptied. And if I come up there and I find you hanging from a rope, well, good. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer it that way. And you're like, but that's honest. And then, you know, if you'd like to erase your message and you hear, deet, it's like, wow, <laughs> good scene. Good scene. And she was saying, we had an article of her, this was the very first thing I think they shot in the entire series. Oh, this really? was the very, very first thing they shot. So a lot of fans were along the street. I know Rami came out to watch this scene. And uh, it was freezing, like balls cold. And there were people who were now you know, tracking this production because more people are now aware of Mr. Robot, blah, blah, blah. A lot of people are all about, you know, anything robot in general. And then there's people who are out there going, where Rami Malley be at? Um, but, you know, there was, she said there was a lot of chaos in both of these scenes that she had with uh, her own scene and then her scenes with John Glazer, who plays uh, Drunk Santa. There's just all of this chaos was going on around her. And, you know, she was like, you know, but I got my training. And I know my lines. And I just, I, I'm very proud of myself. Yeah. I hooked in and I did my work. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, I think the show has made, has just improved Carly's chops yeah. so much. And I'd like to see somebody take advantage of what she's learned here and take her forward because she's just, she earned her keep this uh, last season for sure. She's never been a slouch, but I've been like impressed by her. So. Oh, she, she definitely brought it for that, you know, for that scene. There was something somebody noticed that you brought up to me, Angie. It's something somebody noticed about the signage around in the scene with Darlene and John Glazier, something. Um, I think it was, yeah. Thanks for reminding me this. I was chatting with my friend earlier, Erica, and she noticed on the building of virtual realty, 
um, I think it was a quote or or some kind of plaque that had the words. It's either Parmenides or Parmenides. Someone. Please feel free to correct us. <laughs> correct me here. Um, and it was enough for us to go on Google and to to figure out what is the meaning behind this because we feel like every little speck and dust mite on the show has some sort of meaning. Sure. And we learned that um, I'm just going to say Parmenides just for the sake of time here. That um, they come from is a Greek philosopher who claimed that all things are constantly in motion and change. That the basic stuff of life is change itself. And then we also, um, let me go back here. Let me go back to where I was looking this up. Beg your pardon here. Uh, Parmenides has been considered the founder of metaphysics um, or ontology and has influenced the whole history of Western philosophy. He was the founder of the Eleatic School of Philosophy, was also included Zeno of Elia and uh, Melisis of Samos. I'm probably um, saying these all wrong. Um, but basically, they main interest is metaphysics and ontology. So that's pr pretty interesting that we see continue to see these layers of things that are influencing Sam Esmail to create this amazing series. Oh, my God. I just love it. Cause there's, wow. and, then, and then you told me that, and I had already noticed, and then I went on Reddit looking for someone who had like done the work of, of screen grabbing and, and going in. But there's a... In the scene with Drunk Santa, there's a signage behind Darlene at one point that says New Life. So I think between these two things that Angie and Erica found and this thing, it's like, so Sam is telling us, you know, there's going to be a rebirth for her. I have hope now, at least for her to survive. This is, this is Elliot's wish. We know as soon as we walked out of the store and the guy had driven off in the van, the van was gone, that we were dead. So at least what I can do now is just try to save my sister. I've been a shitty brother to her. I've just got to warn her. And I do believe, you know, honestly, this next episode that, that's coming up, 405, uh, the silent episode everybody is predicting, it's going to be no words. I think they're going to have natural sound and background sound, but there's not going to be any spoken word in this per se. Uh, so method not allowed is going to be that episode. But I feel like, there's there's hope at least for one of the Aldersons to get out of this. And I'm not saying that she does, you know, deserves to get away with murdering Susan Jacobs, but it, at the heart of this, I feel like the person with the least amount of blood on their hands in this entire series um, is Darlene. You know, she says in this thing, everything I've done, she tells Santa, everything I've done, I've done to protect my brother. You know, otherwise, I see Darlene being someone who would kill themselves if they didn't have any other purpose. She's just so drifting around and they kind of keep each other anchored. And if you want to go this far to, to believe what, what this is, the imagery, uh, as, as Terrell is stumbling through the woods with his bullet wound, there's two dead trees propped up above him creating an archway. And I'm like, is that Mr. Robot and Elliot? Is that Darlene and Elliot? You know, because he falls beneath the trees. And I'm like, I don't know. There's just a lot of imagery going on in this. And I'll be watching it five years from now going, oh, what? So, anyway. That, you know, that road trip or, you know, that carpool trip with, you know, Darlene and, and Tobias. Yeah. Tobias, right? Yes. 
Um, yeah. It really reminded me of the that little day trip that Elliot had with Trenton. You know, this just sort of yeah. sitting together, you know, conversing back and forth, and at the end, it sort of saves your life. You know, to it to, was her moment. Interesting. It did draw, kind just of parallel to like if she's the one who survives this one, this is her. You know, it was just weird. It just like it felt like it felt a lot like that to me. It's funny. Both of them had these accidental trips because they were on their way to do something else, and they got derailed in both cases. Yeah, and it ended at the doorstep of the person they've encountered, the stranger, and uh, again, the stranger. And she tells him that whole speech, right, where she just goes off on him, like, you know, she says something about... Uh, My, you know, like the worst brother treats me like an ass. and, and I've lost yeah. absolutely everybody. Yeah. My brother, yeah, fine, I have lost absolutely everyone. My boyfriend, mother, best friend, everything I've done, I've done it to save my brother who treats me like shit. I'm worried about him. It pisses me off that I'm always worried about him. He told me to fuck off, so why do I bother? I don't know. I'm afraid, and I'm afraid this time, because it's different, I'm afraid he might be dead. And then Tobias just goes, okay, and turns yeah. to go. So, like, last time, <laughs> we had this scene with the kid, and he goes and goes, comes inside and comes out with the sucker, and I'm like, Sam just went, damn, darling, you don't get shit. But he does come he, back he out back. later yeah. and says, hey... You know, you've got to do you. I know you're worried about this other person, but you need to worry about yourself too. And hey, I really hope your brother's not dead. But I, all of this was so hopeful to me for Darlene that and I don't think Sam will pull the rug out from under us. I don't think he's a dirty dog like that. I almost am certain Elliot's going to die. I'm, and I also won't be surprised if he doesn't. Um, but I just it gave me a lot of hope for Darlene. Like a Walter White type of death. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think he, he's got a chance of going out like a Walter White, and then she gets to be Jesse screaming into no, the void, no. <laughs> crying and driving. <laughs> <laughs> she's got... Uh, Several years. We'll Domlene, we'll Domlene continues. She's got Dom in the trunk just getting her out of there. We're going to go oh. to the border. Oh, uh, man. Speaking of Dom, I am yeah. so worried. What is happening? So worried. Okay, so here's the but here's why I'm not. So Reddit had it, but I didn't even wait for Reddit. I was watching it last night, first time around, and she's having this conversation with um, Happy Hard uh, Hard on uh, Henry eight oh six. By the way, eight oh six is the South Plains Panhandle area code for Amarillo, uh, Amarillo and. Lubbock. And you know how there's that Western theme around Don? Like she's the law, Dom. She's the lawman. Even though she's from New Jersey, you know, she's from Teaneck. She's got the tats and she plays country music and she likes that country thing. And, and I thought that was interesting that whomever she's talking to is probably from Texas. So when she goes into the dream sequence, I'm like, this person lives locally? That's weird. And I'm like, what is this? And then when I saw the candles immediately, I'm like, wait a minute. She's going to get drowned in the bathtub, isn't she? And she got drowned in the bathtub. And she's telling, if you go back to season two, episode nine, she's telling the other field agent, I had this dream, which if you know me is very unusual for me. Uh, wait, I want to find out where, where she, I want to find the quote. I found it. I had this dream, which if you know me is pretty rare. It was good at first, exciting. There was a beautiful woman, sexy even, but then man, 
did it go downhill fast. By the end, I was being choked underwater. In that dream I had when I was being drowned, it was when I stopped fighting it, when I finally let go and stopped struggling so much that that's when I survived. And the girl is like, the girl's saying, stop fighting so hard. You're going to lose control fast that way. Yeah. Give into it. Uh-huh. Give up control. You realize you'll never be free. Well, see, yeah, this is the thing. She tells, she tells that to Angela. Remember when she's squeezing Angela? Yes. So. Is that what she, is that who she tells it to? Yeah, she tells yes, it. Yes, it's Angela. It's not the she, other agent. She goes into the, you know, the, the her apartment. She has the sandwich. And she's eating yeah, the sandwich. That's yes. right. That's yes. right. So, so Angela's getting pressed. Now she, it's like the reverse of her now. Now she's getting pressed by Dark Army. Got it. I thought it was the agent. That's even better. See, this is why I need help. I need, I need grown-ups when it comes <laughs> to talking about the show. I need the other adults. So, Dom, I was just like, first I was just like, okay, she's fucked. How does she get out of this? She's under the thumb of dark, dark Army. I also find this little nod to the fact that she's using a Mac. They're the most insecure uh, machine you can use in her position. You know Dark Army's tracking this entire conversation. And it's Sam's nod of like, I hate Macs, and Dom's using one. And so she's super owned even more now. This is more dirt on her, you know, her sex talk with this guy. Of course, a lot of people think that uh, Harry Hardon, whatever, is DA. And I'm like, it's like everybody sees a Targ when they watch Game of Thrones. Everybody's a Targ. Everybody's a secret Targ. Uh, people have gotten really paranoid and they think everyone's a dark army operative. I heard like somebody make a case, a very realistic case for Elliot's landlord, who Flipper with is dark army. And I'm like... <laughs> I know this sounds really beautiful and convenient, but I just don't think these people are all dark. Because here's the thing, the way they roll, I feel like Elliot is being tracked by one of their best guys. They don't have five vans on him. They just have one. So I think this is White Rose slipping. So I don't know. Lots of that little stuff I noticed. But I was like, I don't think everybody's dark army, guys. Um... I was going to ask you something. Oh, let's go real quick to uh, Darlene and the stranger, John Glazer. And she thinks that he's going to commit suicide. His wife's dead. You know, he's this really sad Santa. And he's just a guy who gets together and does a charity. And then they just traditionally get drunk after it. And they're just trying to do this thing for Sloan Kettering. It's not like a big deal. And she's just, t- she's just putting it through her own filter. And she's like, oh, my God, I've got to save this guy. This is also why I find her very redemptive in our storyline, is that even in the middle of the dark army is coming for my brother, I'm going to reach out and take the time to relate to this dude. So I thought that was a very lovely moment. And then he's like, Jimmy Stewart, that's a wonderful life. Oh. She goes, but you said this, you know, goodbye uh, is final. He goes, Steinbeck, it's a classic. Read, read a book. book. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking loved it. I just loved it. I loved all that. Do we do we know how they got that car started if he didn't have his keys or he didn't drive? Well, did you not see? Like, that's the thing. She just hacked it. All the cars today. 
Okay. If you know how to hack into the car. Okay, so she couldn't find he couldn't find her her his keys. Right. So he just okay, got it. She just got okay. John was great in this episode. I love John Glazer. He's just an MVP. If he's on he's on a lot of Amy Schumer stuff, things like that. He shows up and he's just that guy. You know, he fit perfectly in with this series. I have a bunch of questions. And then uh, as they relate to each other, all the music cues were great. But uh, they say that the scene where they're relating of, I remember watching Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but this is a Reddit thing where Dale is telling, um, talking about his wife, who in this case is a real dead wife in that scene. And they're playing uh, The Power to Believe, this song. And it's the same song that was playing in the car last night during the scene. So Mm. I was like, aw, didn't even notice it. Um, speaking of music, did anyone, was anybody able to track down the words that Terrell was singing in the, the Swedish Christmas song? No, but I had seen that there was some speculation about that. I haven't, have not had a chance to do any translation. Yeah, I don't know. I know that the only thing I could find today was somebody talking about the lullaby that Joanna sang. Mm. and it's dark. The sun is so red, mother. So she's singing in that. The sky is so big, mother, with bright stars on who are living there, mother on the star in the blue. Do you think it is boys, mother, who are looking down on me? And do you think they have beds, mother, and sleep just like I? Anyway, that's a rough, rough Danish translation. (laughs) But I'm like, I wonder what that was. I don't know. I'm sure it had some significance. But what really, going back to that scene, which is I can't get it out of my head, is the, just the cry of that dying deer that just seems like the call of an alien in the woods, like calling him home, the call of death, all that kind of stuff. I was like, what a gorgeous episode in that Sam demonstrates with every single episode that he can do so many genres and so many things. So if you, if you want to know what Sam Ismail is capable of doing, they can do all the styles ever. Just watch any episode of Mr. Robot because they have all mm-hmm. these themes to them. Beautifully done. Whomever was the gaffer, I salute you, sir. Um, oh, going back to Dom. So we get the text from her mother. She missed Christmas Eve. Can we talk about the timing of... So same night that Elliot finally gets some, he's bounced off of Olivia. We find out that we're never going to see her again because she's useless. Darlene has found out that we can't get into Cyprus through her. That's why they have to hack virtual realty. That's the on-fire thing she needs to tell him now. But, you know, he's off, like, getting rid of evidence and burning a van and getting rid of a body right now. So, BT-dubs, I'm busy. And he doesn't have a signal anyway. And I'm just going, okay, so that's cool. And then... What was the point I was going to be on the way to? So... Darlene is driving now in what we find out is the stolen car. Turns out the guy left his car at home this entire time. That was pretty funny. Fucking I hilarious. I was cracking up. <laughs> so now she's in the stolen car, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> and you think she's, and I see the sign that says NYC 117 miles. Mm-hmm. Did she decide, was she driving away from Elliot and then made herself turn around? I noticed that 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 was pointed out as well. And I was trying to figure out, you know, she had, was she 
did she was Elliot beyond that point where she was dropping Santa off or going was she just going to go back to the city I I really was trying to figure out what was the point of is she going backwards? Is she going forwards well, to find her brother? Here's my immediate take, and it may be a huge oversimplification. So drunk Santa, we're in the car with him for a reason. Sam's telling us your perception is not what's happening. Um, he's also saying, hey, you got to do you, Darlene. You, all the stuff that you're doing for Elliot is fruitless. You really got to take care of you. I took that to mean that she took it to heart that Santa told her to look after herself and then she's driving back to New York City going, I've got to preserve myself in this case, I've, or I'm going to do, do whatever I can. I don't know what it was. I think she was driving away from him, and then she turned around and said, she throws a fit on the steering wheel, and I think it's like she can't help herself. She's going back to her bro- brother. I could have that completely turned around, but I, I was confused by New- NYC-117. I feel like she was going away from him and back to the city, and then she stopped and turned around. Did she? I don't know. But I see where you're coming from. I could I could see that, too, when it's, you know, she's been so uh, emotional and just having all of these all these feelings about her brother, you know, she's upset with him, but she wants him to die, but she doesn't want him to die. And she, everything she's done up to this point is to protect him and save him. Now she's kind of getting this new advice. that's completely enlightening for her to do for, for her to do herself. But at the end of the day, she's surviving for her brother. And so I think she's conflicted and trying to, trying to determine, okay, should, if, and if I just move forward and save myself, it will just ultimately save my brother or, going back into that to that mode of let me just go get my brother let me just save him is what my ultimate the whole reason what, what she's doing yeah i felt that i felt that yes yes i can buy that for sure so so we don't really know which where she was headed after that right we don't know if she was going back to the city or if she went back towards the woods or cuz i I, it's, I assume at this point they're all headed up to the um Washington township area right because from it, here. well obviously though from the promo they're back together she's got her wig on uh they're doing a hack and i feel like this is the famous running we've been seeing the behind the scenes of for a long time Rami running all over New York. So that's New York. That's true. Yep. So I feel like whatever happens, whatever I perceive to be where she was going, is that they'll end up back in NYC. And then this this mad dash across New York is... I thought it was to save her. Um, but aren't they together at the keyboard and she's typing with the gloves to get in? Aren't they standing next to each other? I think so. So maybe the running has nothing to do with her. Uh, but there's something that's pushing him. And again, we've seen some of these things that look like a dream sequence. So I don't know. Um, I'm just so excited because it's a special episode. Is Isn't, it longer? It, it's a special episode. I think it's longer. And I think this one's also commercial free. Ooh. So next week is going to be like a lot of face melting, screaming. Maybe there's just, maybe he's going to wait to the end of the very special Mr. Robot and you're just going to see Elliot and uh, Terrell just mouth planted on each other post credits. Alpha's uh, coming back. 
Yes. Is Alf coming back? <laughs> He's going to be in there. He's going to be tonguing uh, Elliot. Not what you guys wanted, but somehow it becomes a kink. Um, I was trying to think of some other things that going back to the conversation, there was a, there was an admission that I, that shocked me about Elliot where he says it does bother him that he's an outsider, that maybe he's just good at hiding it. And I think this is also Sam saying everybody feels, feels like they're special and different and unrelatable, but we all kind of end up feeling the same way at times about ourselves, you know? I don't know. That, that was just a really good scene for me. And then how he, he pivots after Elliot opens up to him and says, Hey, um, let's go get, let's get you back to your sister. Let's, let's let, let you make that phone call. Let's get you home. You know, go get white rose, rose for me, boy. But you know, really this is down to, she's probably going to fuck you. She's probably going to win. You're probably going to die. I'm most certainly going to die. At least you can warn your sister and give her a heads up. And I like how the show is in this place, right where it wants us to be, hopeless and deflated as we head into our second uh-huh. act. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just can't wait because I have no fucking idea how this is going to end. I don't know that anybody's gotten it right. I do want to say this. This is from Andre. I'll just say this. The whole mini arc with Dom just reminded me that I went, uh, that one time I tried uh, grinder, and that's that on that. Oh, Dom. He also says, the cashier lady thinking Tyrell was on Big Brother and Tyrell admitting he, uh, he was just to shut her up is probably the funniest thing that's ever happened on the show. And... He was commenting that the, he thinks there's a jump in time because of Darlene's hair in the preview, but I guess he didn't see the shot where she pulls off the wig. Somebody yeah, for – go ahead. I feel like that whole wig thing is um, has something to do going back to the storyline of Susan Jacobs, um, something to do with the bank. I think they're, they're doing something where – because Dark Army doesn't know that Susan is dead. Exactly. She's missing. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to, I think I, I felt almost exactly the same way. I'm like, it's got to be a Susan Jacobs related ruse. Her hair is not long enough to be an Olivia ripoff. And Darlene has almost the same kind of length of hair as Olivia. So I felt like this was a Susan Jacobs thing uh, for cameras to pick up. There's all kind of like that. Maybe they might even have some face altering stuff that she does because that's kind of another hack. Uh, they're doing this in the Hong Kong protests, you know, altering your face or wearing some sort of like thing. So because if you're looking almost exactly, if you look similar to the person sometimes, it's it's even better than looking completely opposite of them, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to how those scenes play out. Uh, anything else that he said? Um, anything else that stood out to us in the scene? I don't know. I feel like there's not a whole lot to say about this. I mean, that robot narration, maybe you want to talk about a little bit that you search and you find all's well, but what if you don't find, how long do you look? Eventually that thing 
you've tried to find, uh, you give up. Eventually, you've got to give up, and that, that thing that you're searching for, what becomes of it? How will you know? So, again, is this us trying to find meaning in the story and it's not there and what happens? Or is it literally all of our characters' arcs? I thought this was a very thought-provoking one. And I was just kind of dismayed to see so many people hate on it because I loved it. Because I don't know. I I just like the way it felt like Twin Peaks, the way it felt like the Sopranos episode... Pine Barrens. I liked just John Glazer being a kooky thing. I love the kooky cashier. I love that it was out in the woods. I just, I love the crazy animal in the woods. I was like, this is a great Halloween episode. Like how beautifully timed it was, I thought, in time for Halloween. So it really was. Visually, it just had all the creeps and the howling and or the the deer. And I love that 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 little because it was like a delicate little howl. And I love that anytime it happened, these two grown men were completely creeped out about it. Oh, yeah. And it was like on a far distance. And they were Elliot was completely shook. Every time it's like, you know, you've been through so much worse, right? So much worse. And he's He's getting really creeped out over this gentle. <laughs> well, what I loved about that, even to that point, it's that Terrell is trying to, Terrell is just openly, he's not even going to pretend to be like, you know, a manly man. He's like, what is that? Oh, God. What does he say? He's like, we're in the woods. It could be anything. <laughs> it could be some dumb animal. And he's trying to pretend to be tough. He's like, yeah, it's just a dumb animal. And he's like, on his face. Like, he's scared to death. And, <laughs> Terrell's not even trying to front. He's like, I don't know what is it. And then he sits down and he's all weepy when he's getting the rock out of his shoe. Like, you don't care about me, do you? It's just like, Terrell, you got to give it to him for a psychopath. He's pretty open and honest about himself. He was being very vulnerable to him. And Elliot's like, shut up. You're being stupid. It's a dumb animal. Stupid. Uh, that's the way no. he was with the little boy, too. He was just like, no, I bet you I could do it better. No. It's just like... What? Now, was did Terrell make any mention about his son in or the baby last night? Because I, I read a couple things about um, how he was ultimately, you know, had sacrificed himself, you know, for his son. Was there any mention about that last night, or is it is that just pretty evident in what we what we have? I think he says, you know, my baby, my wife's dead, my baby's adopted. You know, when he's mm-hmm. sort of yelling at him. And and going and then going into what Martin said about his child, I feel like he's made his peace with this now, right? He's like, he's better off without me. He's safe somewhere. But he's throwing this up to Elliot, like, I've done all this shit for you, and look what I've had to give up, you know? So. Yeah. That was my They're having... Yeah. And they're having this like such heart to heart in the in the way that these two communicate. And then who who knows how long they've been walking in the woods and they come back to the front. (laughs) (laughs) And you can just see I I kind of like leaned in to look at uh, Elliot's expression. It was like, motherfucker. (laughs) He's so annoyed. Oh, God. Stop saying that Christmas song. It's like, that's annoying. It's annoying. He's talking to him the same way he talks. He talked to. he talked to Muhammad when they were on their day trip. There was a lot of mirroring that. And then I had this weird thought, and again, I don't want to spiral down a rabbit hole about this, but I did think, okay, remember how we're doing that, who's the other one? And there were the four chairs, 
And now mm-hmm. I believe this place is inside of Elliot's mind, the conference room overlooking the 1% of New York, right? Where he creates these personas or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what that means about the whole Tyrell character, but I do believe that Tyrell actually exists. But, like, does he sometimes become the mom and the little boy? Are, are we really not sure that, I mean, like, is he for people? Because the way he was talking to Tyrell last night a couple of times mirrors the way he talked to Muhammad. Like, I'm sure I can take my shoe off with, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because critics, you know, or, you know, critics suck. It's like a stupid movie. It looks dumb. Sometimes I feel like, is he that guy too? So now I'm going to have to watch the entire season and go, is he Magda here? Is he his little boy self here? Is he his dad here? And when is he the other one? That is intentional for you to watch over and over again. That's how they get us. Okay, and did anybody, this is my last thing to ask you guys. Well, two things. I'm noticing the hardcore uniform. Darlene always has a uniform every um, season. The uniform this season is Magda's coat, her skin. She's wearing her mother's skin. I find that very interesting. A woman that she, you know, seems very detached from, is barely mourning, we think, is wearing this coat because it's rad. I don't know. There's got to be this huge symbolic thing to her wearing her mom's coat. It's like, that's her uniform this season. I'm like, what is this? Is this, how are they meaning this to be? And then Dom's handle, I didn't notice until this time. Maybe I'm sure there's whole Reddit threads on her, her uh, online handle, but deep steep. It's deep with four E's and then steep. is just two E's. Does that just sound like the sexual thing that I think that it is? Or is has anybody ever, like, read a good theory about what that means? I don't know. I do not know. I'm sure that there, again, just like the dust flecks in the show, there's probably a meaning behind the four E's, and it probably calculates to some, it comes out to January 2016 in some way, shape or form. Any meaning to Pike's Hollow? Don't know. There was a, I don't know if you guys remember the fake websites that they put out. And then they released um, a bunch of emails that were inside Ecor where they were talking about like chocolate donuts up on the certain, certain floor that came to pass later. And then there was all of these links to articles and employee chat about these magnetic points where things become unhinged um, because of physics uh, there's these little slipping down spots where there's a slip between the reality plates um, or time tap trap doors or something like that. And someone was saying that this thing that he was walking toward was one of these slipped places uh, from one of those threads from E-Corp uh, last year. I leave that for the super nerds. I'm like... I don't know, but I, I'd love to just, just for, for my Zen rock garden, it's just to go in and watch the hacker talk and the hacker chatter 
uh, and read it in, a, uh, read it in another couple of places. And I just love that they just theorize about these. I'm not smart enough to like keep up with it, but I just love that there's all of these real theorems around these slipped places. And, and maybe that's what he came across in the woods just before he died. I don't know. I love all that hacker chatter also. Like I love in, in that voicemail that Darlene was trying to leave and she was just kind of explaining all the different steps. I don't I don't understand a lot of that, but right. it's just so interesting to kind of to kind of think like, oh, that's how they do it. Yeah. And you're like going, you're like thinking, of course that's how you do it, but we really don't have no idea. I have how. no idea. Anyway, it plays out. And then last episode when um, Robot and Elliot are going diff- going through different ideas on how to get get through Olivia's computer and then robots like well if you have any any more fucking ideas like feel free to share and I just I just love all that talk and you know that he's talking to the hackers and the hackers at home like well you know what you could have done you could have did this here and you would have blah 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 through the back door you didn't have to do all that but Elliot (laughs) did need to have sex so I'm gonna get my prescription pants cleaned and watch this episode again um that's my Simpsons nerd Comic book store guy. So, uh, I don't know. I also want to point out the fact that I need to really delve into Lolita. It's a book I haven't read for many, many years. I know that Darlene's handle is Dolores Hayes. That's from Lolita. And the guy, the drunk Santa who doesn't know her, keeps mistakenly calling her Dolly. But the overreaching, oversimplified plot of Lolita is a young, hot girl who's seemingly innocent, but who isn't, is manipulated, allegedly, by an older man. Is that older man Mr. Robot? Um, Is that older man something bigger and figuratively? Um, Is she been a trigger all along, as he says, for some sort of reason that's steeped into this? Is there something horrible about Edward that we're going to find out that we don't want to know that will make everybody flip a table? I'm just very afraid of delving too much into the Lolita stuff, but we've been hit over the head with it. Her glasses are heart-shaped. Lolita's in the room where Angela takes the weird test with White Rose. There's the little girl Angela who's in that same room who plays Angela in the other scene. Then Angela's got the Lolita books on the street. And I'm like, I don't understand. Hopefully that will be explained. Um, But I'm thinking at this point, like they revealed all the, they filled in all the letters on the board. And I feel like I'm on Wheel of Fortune and I'm just a stupid. And I'm like, I'm missing one letter and I'm not getting it. So. If you guys are like this, there's stuff that's obvious and that we're just missing. I just at this point, just spit it out, you know. Just tell me. Just tell me, dude. <laughs> just tell me. Uh, one last thing I found very heartbreaking is about ter- how Tyrell. You know, he he's this is where he mentions the child. He's like, I've lost everything, and he sort of leads into this whole thing of don't you ever think about just running and getting away? You know, finding rest. And you can see him sort of like dreaming a future maybe for himself and for Elliot together in a way. If you want to be a Tyre Elliot person, if you're a shipper, like to find peace. (laughs) Elliot's like, do you ever think about that? No. (laughs) (laughs) And you see Mr. Robot like, dude, do you have to be a dick? (laughs) But just kind of like 
But Elliot's like, I, I think it's too late for that, bro. So it was just like, there was just a, that whole little exchange for them is probably one of my favorite um, scenes Rami has done in a while where he's interacting with someone. And the three of them are just, like I said, that little dance between the three of them is just, that was good. I really enjoyed it. Yep. Any other observations, guys? Any other thing that you were just like, no, yes, nope. maybe. I think this is one of those bridge episodes. So I get that. I get that people were, were not into it as much. But for me, I guess I'm savoring all of it because there's not that many more first times happening soon. So I'm going to go listen to some of these songs and write in my journal, paint my face emo colors and get ready for Halloween. You guys don't understand me. Just kidding. Um, anybody? Any Halloween? What's, what are you guys doing for Halloween? That's happening this week. Just gonna go around the neighborhood with the kiddos and my family. We're getting ready to go to a wedding this weekend. So kind of two big things happening at once. Do you? How about you? Do you dress up when you take the kids out? Do you have like a little outfit on? No. No, I want to be as comfortable and as cozy as possible. I don't have kids of my own, but I'm I'm a handler of a certain section of kids. Usually the one to four-year-olds is my, my domain. Wow. So I have to be very comfortable and ready to run. I get you. You have to be. Like, mm-hmm. you basically just need to be wearing, like, what? Like, you should be dressed for almost, like, battle. You got the good tennis shoes on. You got the breathable fabrics. You know, or you could just tether everyone together. <laughs> you could. You know, I'm thinking about that, getting that <laughs> rope where they all have to hold on Hell to yeah, it. Hell yeah, that's what I would be doing. Um, then have a taser in your guys? purse. You know, normally we have the house all decorated. This year, it's not that we're not feeling Halloween. We're very Halloweeny. Uh, that's our anniversary, of course. It'll be six years for us this uh, Halloween. So we're excited oh, about yay. that. Our friend Cindy's in town. So she's uh, she's with us. She's going to be hanging out. So probably this is going to sound terrible. We might be those assholes who just put the bowl of candy out on the the stoop and say, pick one. I hate it when people do that. But this year, I don't know. I have my reasons that I won't go into that. I'm just kind of like Halloween's going to be internal. Normally we share it with everybody on the block and. We know everybody and blah, blah, blah. But just for reasons I won't mention, I think we're just going to keep it insular. The three of us are going to chill out, watch some spooky movies, um, drink a little bit, have some fun deliciousness, and just put a bunch of orange uh, lights in the den where we're hanging right now and screening things and just make it a an us thing this year. Just us and our buddy. That and, sounds really nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but what do you, what's your opinion? of people who leave the candy on the thing and just take one. Are those people assholes? I, I think just don't even put anything out. Like, what's the point? Like the whole point of there's engagement, you make the kids excited, you ask them about their outfit. Just don't even worry about putting See, it out. See, that's normally what I do. I, what are you? And blah, blah, blah. And I make people laugh. And, you know, uh, this year, just uh, I'm not going to do that. So you're right. So that they, you know, I'm gonna go with that advice. Just yeah. that's what's Ian said. Well, see, we'd have to go out and buy more candy because I ate already. You know, I already ate the candy I bought earlier. <laughs> we bought the candy like a month ago. It's gone. <laughs> it just, once it came out at the Smart and Final, I was like, "Fuck!" I'm buying like two bags of chocolate, and now there's like, nice. there's like five left. 
Oh my god. So. The one thing that is annoying is when a house has all Halloween decoration and they have a pumpkin out, but nobody's giving out candy. See, I yeah, don't I don't understand that, that part. No, that's, so if you have if you see a house, no front lights on, it's not decorated, you're not gonna bother. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's the international sign, but I don't I don't get that either. I don't get you throw up all your decorations and you have a big light in the front and people just keep ringing the door. Yeah, that's don't be that out. jerk. Yeah, yeah, that's that's party right. foul. But then on the, the the opposite is is like there's nothing out, everything's dark, and they still come up to your thing and start pushing the the doorbell. Well, if that happens this year, they're just going to be ignored. But it'll be the first time in 10 years since I've been in this house that I haven't done it. So it's I'll see how good. I, I've got, you know, always try new things. And this year, I want to try to do nothing. <laughs> this year, the new thing we're going to try is no Halloween. Yeah. But we're celebrating it internally and inside our home. Quietly, away from people. With from, all the candy. Away from prying eyes around our candy. Drinking our liquor. <laughs> going, fuck you, kids. No. All right, so we will be next week for uh, back next week for the very special episode. Remind me, Angie, do we have you next week? We don't. No, I'm out of town for a wedding. Next so week. Angie will not be back with us, but Andre will be back. He'll be uh, fresh back from doing a week of rehearsals for Dorian. At least I hope he'll be back. And I'm sure there'll be so much more to say and so much more to talk about with this very special episode. And until then, um, I'm just gonna go for a walk. Sounds good. Enjoy. <laughs> Bye. Bye.